On this week's episode of Juke Sports, the fellas are back. We start the episode off talking about our latest hiatus. We get into the NFL, and even though this is still not a Dolphins podcast, we talk about Tua getting pulled. I go on a crazy rant about Penn State, and then we get into our Thanksgiving parlays. We have a very special list segment, closing statements, and more. All right. Giddy up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Juke Sports with Cots and Jake. And Jukes out there, it feels good to be back. We apologize. We've been out for a while. Just a little bit. Just just a little bit. But it's good to be back on the air. Um, just a little transparency, guys. Um, we... We're about to join a network, and then we did it, and then we had our our, our feed wasn't working uh, when we tried to switch it back from distributors. You know, just normal podcast stuff. <laughs> uh, but now we're finally back. Let's just say creative differences got in the way, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have a ton to get into. Um Let's start off with the NFL. Um, Titans and Ravens got a little chippy right from the start. Well, first off, I just got to say, I don't like what the Titans did to begin the game and how it all transpired. Right. But I hate. I think I hate the Harbaugh's more than anyone or anybody in sports, both of them. Because <laughs> at the end of the game, that was just yeah, pathetic so- on Harbaugh's end. Yeah, so my whole thing with this, yeah, the Titans shouldn't have been standing on the crest. It looked like they were deliberately doing that to kind of try to get into the uh, under the Ravens' skin, and it worked. Now, John Harbaugh, as the head coach, you know, you go tell your guys that. You say, hey, listen, they were standing on the logo. They were standing on the crest. Uh, you know, fire the troops up, put to go and like have a confrontation. Who is it with Malcolm? Was it Malcolm Butler? It was Malcolm Butler, yeah. yeah. So it. to go and have that kind of interaction with them, um, I don't know. I just think that's kind of unprofessional. Just let it go. You know, fire your guys up, tell them they're disrespecting you. Um, and then, hey, we got a really good one o'clock game out of the matter. I mean, uh, you know, Derrick Henry is just a beast of a man. Yeah, Derrick Henry's unstoppable. When they get that run game going, I mean, Tannehill doesn't have to do much. Tannehill put up good numbers. I mean, he did throw an interception. But when you have Henry who could run the ball and finish out games like that, they're going to be tough to beat. Those are the teams that make it to the playoffs and make it and win a few games. Um, Baltimore looks to be, by all accounts, some people are saying they're aggressing. I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I just think they got to get back into the swing of things rolling. I'm more yeah. concerned about their defense than I would be about Lamar Jackson and that offense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough. It, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, Baltimore's in a little bit of a hole right now, and then you have to go on Thursday on Thanksgiving and play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um but and I, two I, of their running backs are already out with COVID, so that's not going to be easy for them. No, it's not. It's it's not at all. Um, yes. But, hey, the line is still sitting at four and a half. But we will get to that later on. Uh, other notable big games, uh, Colts-Packers. Just when you think the Packers uh, were going to start to run away with it, the Colts claw their way back into it. Uh Frank Reich is – I love this man. 
I absolutely love this man. He was the main reason why I believe he's the main reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And he is doing wonders for the Indianapolis Colts. I absolutely love it. Do you know what that game was, Drake? What was it? That was a Cot Super Bowl preview. That was my Super Bowl pick. That was. That's yep. you're right. It was the yep. Super Bowl preview. And hey man, if we got that in the Super Bowl, I mean that'd be pretty good. I don't yeah. see how. Oh I mean, man. I don't know how the Colts would make it out of the AFC, but I mean I do agree. I like what that team's doing. Phillip Rivers, man. I love him. He played injured. He's old. He <laughs> he's, is. He's really old. He is. And unlike how Tom Brady looked on Monday night, I mean Phillip Rivers is still looking pretty good for an old dog out there and playing mm-hmm. banged up. Um, so I don't know. That was an interesting game. Rogers is still going to be good. Who knows what's going to happen, um, in both conferences right now, but mm. that was a heck of a game. Um, Rogers though, at the end there, I, I mean, by all accounts, he was going to do Rogers things until, uh, Marquez Vandell Scantling fumbled mm-hmm. that, um, that ball at the end of the game and then put him right in yep. pretty much basically in the red zone. So, but I mean, that, that was, a, that was a fun game though. Uh, we we say it every year. Aaron Rodgers, he's a he's a bad bad man. Uh, but and they'll he... be fine. And it's nothing. It's nothing to worry about for the Packers. I mean, Colton did that game more mm-hmm. um, than the Packers did, in my opinion. I mean, Packers are sitting in a division that's in dismantle this year because yeah. of the way the Bears are playing. So I I wouldn't be worried about it. That's a tough game. They'll they'll move on. Colton did that game more, being in the AFC, which is a lot more crowded out once you get past the Chiefs and the Steelers it's it's a big mm. mix there of teams. No, definitely. Um all right. Wanna talk do you want to talk about it? Yeah we can talk about it a little bit. I, I mean, mean I think people are overreacting but I'm curious oh, yeah. to hear what you think. I mean this one we have to preface preface it again. Um you know again we've been on a month hiatus but this is still not a Dolphins podcast. Uh, but we do we do need to talk about it. Um, Tua didn't look great. Offense didn't look great. Uh, the defense didn't look great, which I think is a little bit more concerning. Um, but uh, Brian Flores, he pulls Tua, uh, puts Fitzpatrick in. Now, when I was watching it, I thought, hey, Tua's dinged up with his foot. But Flores said afterwards that it was – it was – to put their team in a better position to win. And he put Fitzpatrick in there and he almost did it. Um, here's my take and Cots, You can, I'm sure you have, I think you're similar to me with the whole thing. Um, I think in that moment right now, if you're going to try and win that game, which that's how Brian Flores thinks. And that's why we love him. Fitzpatrick at that moment was the right thing to do. But for long term, and I think for the psyche of Tua, I don't like the move. And I think you let him write, let the kid write it out. I know you want to win. I know the Broncos were um, not really uh, clicking. previous and you need that that's something on your calendar you can see as a win but I, I think you let the kid deal with it you lose you lose but at least you leave him in the game so he gets that experience and now in the future he's not worried about getting pulled if he's going to make a mistake yeah I mean there's a lot to there's a lot to dissect with that move but the one thing that I think we've all learned over the past year and a half is to trust Brian Flores and that's what I do in this in this scenario. Uh-huh. Um, you know, at, at the moment, at the time, is it the right move? Yeah, maybe. It, mm-hmm. it almost worked. It almost worked. He almost mm-hmm. looked like a genius. Yeah. Um, Fitzpatrick did Fitzpatrick things, was a 99-yard drive, got him down into the red zone, and then did That's Fitzpatrick things, and then threw a bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of shock. Um, here's the thing with – the psyche of rookie quarterbacks. Are you supposed to do that? No, you're not. People are supposed to say they're fragile. Two is a little bit different, in my opinion. He's a little bit more mature than most rookie quarterbacks coming into the league. So I'm not worried about that. And plus, they know the coach they're playing for. They know the type of guy he is. There was also also plays in that game, too. And we're not going to get too much into it. But 
Nick Needham, uh, slot corner for the Dolphins, made a couple bad plays. He pulled him. And then Noah Iguanagani, the rookie, came back in too. So those players know playing for Flores that if you're not playing up to par that game, mm-hmm. you're going to get pulled and someone else is going to do it. They've seen it like all year with the running backs. So I'm yeah. not worried about it. What I'd like to see too is stay in there. Yeah, because I would have liked to see what he was doing with some of the adversity that he was facing. That's what made me think that it was injury-related, too. Everyone was saying it was potentially injury-related because he did get rolled up pretty bad there. He did. On that last hit. He did. So that's why I was like, okay. hey, I mean, hey, you won five in a row. You're bound to lose to the NFL. Vic Vangio defense, a former Bears defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator for a long time against a rookie quarterback. You knew it was going to be tough. I mean, it wasn't all on him. You look back at some of the plays that offensive line played horrible uh, yesterday. So I mean, it is what it is. But here's the thing: I, however, Flores wants to win games. I have faith in him that he he could do it if he wants mm-hmm. to pull two again this year. And you think Fitz is going to give him a spark? Then go ahead. I mean, they're winning. They're a year ahead of schedule in many people's opinions. So, however you want to get to the playoffs and try to get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. I'm for it. And I yep. think that's that's the thing, and that's what he's going to try to do. Hopefully they get back on track. They should win the next two games. They got the Jets, knock on wood. They don't lose to the Jets. And then they got the Bengals, which with, the Bengals without, now, Burrow. without Joe Burrow, which, yeah. is, which is unfortunate. So real quick, let's just talk about Burrow and the injury. And one thing overall, what do you think, in your opinion – do you think the offseason and the lack thereof in offseason has had an impact on a lot of these injuries? I mean, we've seen Odell Beckham, so, yes. Sa- Saquon, yes. now Burrow. Yes. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though. The Bengals need to fix that offensive line, and they need to fix it quick because – That's Joe priority Burrow's, number one going Joe Burrow's going to turn. Joe Burrow's going to turn to Andrew Luck real quick and be out of the NFL if he keeps having to go up yeah. against off if, mm-hmm. uh playing in front of an offensive line like that. I mean, but that needs to be their priority. Number one, when you get the first, when you get the number one pick, that is an investment and you have to protect your investment. Um, So you need to go after offensive linemen. All right. Well, listen, I know what's flashy and I know you're going to want to pick up, you know, um, this draft is receiver heavy coming up. So, and I know the drafts, um, you know, a little ways away, but you know, you got to get big, good, really good offensive linemen first, and then you can get skill guys after that. Cause we have seen, you know, you don't need a first round running back. You don't say, listen, Saquon Barkley is an amazing freaking talent. He is. And he's one of the best backs in the league, but guess what? You don't need that. You know, Derek Henry is really freaking good. And guess what? When he was coming out, Everyone was saying about to stay the hell away from him because uh, this, this stat, this stat, Alabama. You know, it. You you don't know what you're going to get with running backs anyway. You might as well get a second, a second round, third round running back. Get guys you need, and the Bengals they need an offensive line. Yeah, and they should be in a good position this year to get one of the top offensive linemen. I mean. It looks like, by all accounts, it's going to be Jets, Jags, 1-2, and they're going to go quarterbacks, and yep. you should go on the top offensive line. But, yeah, you need to protect your most valuable asset. Uh, exactly. With some strong guys around there. And they do have a former number one pick from the previous year. Uh, Jonah Williams, I believe, is finally back playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, just continue to build that up for them. Um, speaking of offensive line, though, um, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I'm going to bring it up. Is this all on Carson Wentz in Philly, or is it gonna? Is it a team sport? Are we gonna say now? Um, what, what, what do we think? Just real quick on Carson. So Wentz. I will say, Carson Wentz has looked bad. He has not looked good. He has not looked good. Um, I I think, I think he's trying to do too much. Could be, and I, I think he's trying to do too much, and. It's it's not it's not good. He's that that pick six, and it looks like his second read was the tight end, and he missed him like he, he didn't even hit him or he didn't even try to. So he then he goes to hit a check down, which is a wheel, 
He tries to lob it, and Taki Taki just picks it off. I, I, I don't know what he's doing sometimes. Listen, I, I still think Carson Wentz is going to be your guy in the foreseeable future in Philadelphia. I, I do believe that he can be the guy, but he's got to stop with the hero ball. And, he, and I don't know if it's trust. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the, I know it's Doug Peterson calling plays is not helping because this was not the, the Carson Wentz we saw, um, you know, back in 2017, but it's not good. It's not good right now. Who's calling, was this, who's calling plays in 2016? Like the, his rookie year. Was it the same guy in 2017? No, it was Frank Wright. It was Frank Wright. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna need. Uh, they're gonna need an overhaul there. I, I, I think. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen. The there. parties, the Super Bowl party's over. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think you go to Jalen Hurts. But here's the, here's the thing though. I if, don't think he's the answer. He's not. But I, I, I tell you this. I don't know what they're. That was still a dumbass pick. Anyway, continue. I'll t- I don't know what their schedule looks like coming up. But if they, if they, if they start to, I mean, well, it's gonna be. Unf- I was gonna say if they find themselves. In any other division, if they were in any other division, I would say, see what you got with Jalen Hurts because the season's lost. Mm-hmm. But because you're three six and one or whatever, and you're, you know, you're in the division lead still, um, I guess you still have to stick with with West. This, this is the crazy thing about the Eagles, though, and I, I'll say this before we move on because I know we have Eagles fans that listen here. Uh, it, it's it's not your defense. I saw like a couple people complain about the Eagles defense and and yeah Jim Schwartz he, he, he's good but sometimes you kind of think what the heck are you doing here's the thing when you're and I and I was talking about this in terms of college football with some teams when your offense is that bad and can't sustain drives and your defense is consistently on the field they're going to score and even though in a first half of the game you're dominating, in the third and fourth quarter, that adds up. And then it all it takes is one or two, um, you know, guys aren't didn't quite fill quick enough or a defensive back is maybe a step too late because he's a man freaking coverage the whole game and he's tired. It, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, that's... It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And it happened with the Nick Chubb run at the end of the game to practically seal it. Because one missed tackle and, and then it, the floodgates are open. It, if you don't have a good offense, okay, or if your offense is struggling, your defense is going to suffer. And, and I know people are like, well, stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. They give up 35 points a game. And I, I don't know if that's an actual stat, but they give up this many points a game. Well, yeah, because their offense is so bad. They're giving the other team opportunities and in terrible field position. I don't think the problem is Jim Schwartz, although if Doug Peterson goes, I'm Schwartz will go with them because I know Schwartz is the answer at head coach. We saw the disaster Detroit was. I think Doug Peterson needs to stop calling plays, and I've said this before. Doug Peterson needs to get an offensive coordinator. That is not him, and let Doug be the um, – the CEO and let them just run things. And I think that is the main problem with Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, the defense isn't, I agree with you on that defense isn't the issue there. They, I mean, Nick Chubb is the best by all accounts, top five running back in the NFL. Some will say he's stiffed on the defensive line, top three, but I mean, he had one fifty four yard run before that. He had like, they held him to around 60 yards for the whole game. So they did what they had to do. I mean, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to be you. All you had to do was Mm-mm. contain two running backs, and they pretty much did that with Hunt. But I mean, Nick Chubb's going to yeah. break one eventually. Looked, so. Baker didn't look good. Baker didn't look good at all either. Well, Baker but Baker doesn't have to do much to win. He doesn't have team. to. He just does has to not have to turn the ball over, and they'll no. be fine. Um, hey, but speaking of Taki Taki, that was oh, the best name in the NFL right now. That's all. Taki Taki, yeah. <laughs> you know what? A uh, uh, stink stink was saying uh, Schler. Uh, that Browns fans, he was in the Browns fans like doghouse or something. No, I don't know. 
I don't know. Like apparently he was in the doghouse. They they what they weren't big fans of him or something. I, I'm not sure why. But that's a great last name. I mean, well, I mean, that, I know I know he was a high draft pick, and he, I mean, so maybe that's why maybe he wasn't that's performing. Why. Maybe, but talky talky. I mean, that's that's something that 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 just sells. That just prints money with jersey sales to me. I, I would agree. It, I mean, he was a third round pick, and so coming out mm-hmm. of BYU, BYU, a lot of people don't watch BYU games or at late <laughs> at night. Um, so the Browns, fan, Browns fans are also like Eagles fans. If they see a name that they don't know, they're going to boo mm-hmm. him until they love him. So. Yeah. Um, since you brought up BYU. <sighs> BYU. So have you heard the news about everything going on with BYU and University of Washington? Yeah, apparently they want to play anywhere, anytime, except when University except of Washington, when Washington calls. Washington wants to play. So – I have heard that it, it may have been a little bit of fake news that um, BYU uh, didn't want to play or refuse to play Washington. I think what happened was just kind of putting the pieces together. BYU wanted to wait until next week to see the rankings come out. And then Washington was like, oh, well, screw you. Then we're not doing this. Okay. And I want to know how the conversation actually went. Because if they said, "Hey, wait until next," we're going to wait till next week. Then yeah, they then BYU can go screw themselves. And I always root for BYU. By the way, whatever I see them on, nine times out of ten, I'll root for them. Okay, but if if you want to say we're going to play anybody, and someone reaches out because you have a common date in place where you're both off to get another game in and you say, oh, well, let's wait till next week. Screw you. But it could have also went like this. And this is, I think, the other side of this coin is that BYU could have said, hey, um, or if if they said this, I think they're off the hook of, hey, yes, we want to play, but we got to make sure protocols are good. We got to make sure because it's interleague play and – let's see what happens next week. Okay. So we can prepare for you. Okay. Now, if that is what was said and Washington said, well, that's a no to us. Well, then that's Washington's prerogative. But if BYU said, Hey, we're going to wait till the rankings. That's, that's ridiculous. But, and again, it's, there's two sides of the coin, but, Usually somewhere in the middle is the truth. Um, so we'll have to see. It, it's it's he said, she said right now. I would think, though, if you are BYU right now, is, it's it, there's two camps because they technically, you could say they have everything to lose if they play another game. Hypothetically, say college football rings come out by some we're, they're not going to be number four. There's the four. No, te- there's the four teams that are set right now. But hypothetically, but what if they're five or six? If they're five or six, and they have to play another game, um, is Washington going to be the, the team to do it? What if they explore other opportunities and they could get another powerhouse, like maybe a top right. ten, top fifteen matchup? So yeah, I, I I'm not reading too much into it. I mean, it's a social media <laughs> tweet that went out and. For like the athletic department that had Zach Wilson with there and there, and everyone's yep. everyone's overreacting to it. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, so, so yeah, play B. So they have technically they play. Say they're five or six when it comes out. They play Washington mm-hmm. this week. Short week, no time to prepare. You don't know what's going on with protocols. Maybe there's a few people that test positive, a few kids out. You never know. They end up losing mm-hmm. the game. Season's over, and you just wasted it on a short week with no time to prepare. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I mean, it's two sides to every story. I, I hope they do play another game or two, and they potentially find some good matchups. Maybe in the up the pack, another Pac-12 school, tougher team. Maybe I don't know. You'll see what could happen. Um, so yeah. it's going to be interesting. I, I do for BYU. I do think um, Zach Wilson is a really good quarterback. How he translates right. to into the NFL, that 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 will always see. But um, we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I hope they play another game. Um, I think they'll be 
think they're going to be five or six when it comes. Eh, probably yeah. not even five, maybe six or seven, actually. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, wait until you see what happens. Wait until you know what you have to do. It's the worst season, and then go from there. Maybe they yeah. need to get two more games in there to move up. Might have to. Get in there. So Might have to. We'll see. Um, we'll have to see. Um, I do want to talk about a game that took place last Friday. Um, man, Purdue just can't catch a break. Purdue got really screwed in that game. That was royally, even... and and I had Minnesota, by the way. You know, I, I and that's on our. You know, they'll just think like, "Oh, you're just saying that." No, like it's go to our Twitter. Like uh, I picked Minnesota to win that game, and even myself watching it was like, "Oh my god, this is bad." Like ro- Purdue got royally screwed, royally, and Brom. Whatever, I just see. I think there was a, there may have, may may have been a GoFundMe going on to pay the fine that Brom probably got because he was laying into that official and rightfully so. First, the catch that Ronnie uh, Ronnie Bell made, okay, mm-hmm. and then after that, or they said, oh, I guess they said it was incomplete, which I have no idea how they could overturn that call, and then later. The, the pass interference call. And I know that your people on the internet, well, he extended the arm. And you, you know what? Yeah. You know what who, What else was going on, though? The Minnesota guy also had both of his hands on his arm. So don't give me that. It was a terrible call in that situation. It was absolutely awful. And Purdue got royally screwed. Yeah, there's a lot of bad calls in that game. <laughs> Big Ten officiating was taking a beating <laughs> this weekend. There were some really bad calls, not only in that game, but just across um, Always a lot of the Big Ten games this week. But, I mean, hey, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, called, I, I called my brother notable, uh, notable Purdue fan. And, you know, he just gave me the, the hey, you know, they, they made mistakes. It shouldn't have came to that. And, you know taking it like a champ and I'm like I'm there like upset like for him because I I can't believe how bad Purdue got it that that was terrible absolutely terrible can't catch a break at least they're Um, in games unlike Penn State (laughs) uh, I'm gonna do it all right I gotta get this off my chest because if I don't I'm gonna like lose my mind here okay I have to talk about Penn State. I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to. This is bad. Okay? It's this is this is terrible. Um th- this team has somehow lost its way and, and and yeah, James Franklin deserves blame here. Um uh Soraka um, deserves blame. That their the new old line coach Terry Smith, uh, John Scott, Brett Pry, throw throw everyone in the coaching staff. They are all to blame for this, or at least share the blame here. You know, uh, Sean Clifford does not look very good. He he looks he doesn't he's missing his reads. He they. They're they're running zone reads with him constantly. They can't establish a running game. Uh, deep defensive backs are losing coverage. Offensive line are getting swallowed up. Defensive line aren't getting pressure on the quarterback. Linebackers are not filling. This is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Okay. But with that being said, okay, this is a weird year. This is a weird year. Penn State has new coaches, you know, on um, you know, new offensive line coach, new offensive coordinator, uh, no spring ball. You, you had weird practices leading up where you're not sure if you're going to play or if you're going to play. Uh, you, you have players opting out. You have injuries. You're right now. You're on your fourth string running back. You know, you're going through practices like I said, where, where you don't even know if you're going to play. So uh, I know this all adds up. On top of that, you lose an overtime game. You should have won at the end. But 
in reality, you, you screwed yourself because of the terrible turnovers and mistakes in the first half. Again, this is also another team where your offense is so bad that it makes the defense look worse than what it actually is. You know, and after your overtime loss to a very good Indiana team, you have your inevitable inevitable loss against Ohio State. And then Maryland kicks your ass because you know they're out for blood after the embarrassment you gave them last year on their home, on on their biggest stage of, of their freaking existence where you beat them 59 to nothing. And, and now you're in quicksand. You, you're in quicksand where anything that can go on will go wrong. And if you keep trying that, you're just going to sink faster. You know, Pat Fryermuth, their best offensive weapon, he's out for the year. Uh, I mean, besides uh, Jahan Dotson, who's been the only surprise in all of this. Um, but, like I said, the offense looks terrible. It affects your defense. They can't sustain drives. You're putting your uh, defense at the back, uh, having their backs against the wall. You, you play Iowa, and you're only giving Iowa 40 yards to score touchdowns. And again, that goes on Franklin too for not punting. Uh, but, and, and I'm not letting Franklin off the hook. You know, this is his team. This is on him. It almost looks like he's lost the locker room. But, you know, if I see one more person say they want Franklin and the entire st- staff fired one more time on social media, like I'm going to lose it. Because, like I said, there is blame to go around, but and I'm not trying to let him off the hook, but firing James Franklin is not going to help Penn State right he now. Needs, he needs one more. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of factors that went into this offseason, and I agree with that. I mean, you can't yeah. have a new offensive coordinator come in and expect everything to be John, but it shouldn't be this bad. It no, shouldn't it shouldn't. No, no. So he gets – he. Yeah. I agree with you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't fire him, but you have to he's, – he's on a short leash next year. And he's not going to get fired because so. of his contract and the buyout that's in there. But he should be on a short lease, and everyone mm-hmm. should be on a short lease. Listen, and I, I know, and, and, hey, he blew, he blew two games against Ohio State. The one two years ago was, I think, inexcusable because you're at home at a Beaver Stadium that was the loudest I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, but damn, man, like Penn State has been on the door knocking for the last four years of getting into that playoff. You have three New Year's Six Bowl appearances. You win two of them, and you lose that Rose Bowl to USC, who was probably the hottest team in football at that time. If they would have made the switch to Darnold earlier in the year, they probably could have been playing for a national title. And you have the last four years of James Franklin. He had 11 wins, had 11 wins three of those years, the most wins out of any four-year span in Penn State history. You know, he comes in with the two toughest years of the sanctions where your upperclassmen from those sanctioned um, classes uh, are juniors and seniors. And, yeah, he wins, I think, seven games in both of those years. Okay? But he kept the boat afloat. He kept them going. They were banged up against Pitt and against um, Michigan. They get killed at Michigan. Could have tanked it. After that game, they got beat by 35 because they basically had the mascot play a middle linebacker. They could have tanked it. They turned it around and they won the Big Ten title. You know, years – oh, it hasn't been that long ago, has it? It's been eight years. Penn State was left for dead, and now you are at a good part. You're, you're, your program's in a great position. Yes, this year sucks. Yes, I understand that Penn State's going to lose a game they're not supposed to almost every year. Guess what? That's been Penn State since the dawn of freaking time. You want you, you want, know you want my opinion? I think on people. It? Hang on, hang on. I'm on a I'm on a roll right now. I'm on a roll right now. Okay, but it's been it's been like that since the dawn of time. Like these, some of these guys have like freaking amnesia. Like they forget that like Paterno was losing to I or will lose to Iowa and Michigan literally every single year from 2000 on. Um, you know, 
lose a game they're not supposed or sorry, yeah, lose a game you're not supposed to. Again, people freaking forget. Outside of Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Penn State's been the most consistent the last four years. I understand this sucks. I understand that this entire year's been in the toilet. It's almost reminiscent of 1999 Penn State, where granted, they were number one in the country. They won a cup. They I think they won about seven games in a row out the gate. And then after those that seventh game, they lose a game to Minnesota. And it all goes downhill. They freaking tanked it the rest of the year. I think they lost four out of their last five. Okay? I've seen this before. But if you want Penn State to get better, keep the consistency. Keep the consistency. All right? Yes, Franklin's going to be on a short leash. Listen, if it's like this, if it's like this, how bad it is right now next year, it's time to move on. If next year he comes back with an eight-win year, okay, then the next year, you got to prove it. You got to get back to nine or ten. But you got to get back to consistency because if you don't and you go with the coaching carousel because no one is freaking happy or you have some people, this loud minority of the fan base that is so freaking toxic, I can't stand it. You're going to be constantly rebuilding. You're going to have constant turnover, and you're gonna, it's going to be used against you. So to all of my Nittany Lion people, this is bad. I understand, and it, it's, it's not good. Franklin deserves some blame. But listen, people, if Penn State got out of the horrific Sandusky scandal, okay, if they got out of that, all right, they can get out of this. All right, this is terrible this whole year. Hopefully, it's just a wash and focus on next year because you open up against Wisconsin in Camp Randall. You play Ball State, who isn't that bad of a team. And then afterwards, you got to play Auburn. So <laughs> keep everything. So keep everything intact. It's okay. This sucks. I know it sucks. This is terrible. We're going to be okay. And if we're not in two years, then it's, then it's definitely time to move on. Um, Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Hang on. Can I ask you something? Do I sound crazy to you? The, I'll get to the one part where I think you – I don't think you sound crazy, but it's the only part I don't agree with you on. Um, I definitely think you got to keep Franklin this year. This, this year is too – too many unknowns and too many things mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to really evaluate what's going on here. Um, the the thing that worries me the most is I think he lost the locker room. I've never. I mean, the, the team just looks like they're if they get down by more than two scores, it's over. You can just see them defeated and giving up. And I, I mean, I've seen some bad Penn State teams. I mean, they, they, I they fought. I, I will say eh. this, though, Cots. They did fight. They did fight back against Nebraska. Yeah. They almost had a shot to tie it at the end. And even against Iowa, they were down. They, they, they okay. had two scores and then Clifford throws but the they're point. But they're all, okay, that's true. But I think they're a second-half team. They come out and they lay an egg, right? Like every game this they're season, flat. they've came out. They've come out flat and they've laid an egg. And then they've gotten back into it slowly a little bit when teams in my opinion are starting to put their foot off the gas and they kind of get back conservative into play. Yeah. Conservative, conservative play. play. And that's how you get back into some of these games. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I, I don't think they're playing as hard as they should be for him. I think after that Indiana game, I don't know what went on in that locker room, but that was a turning point and then coming out mm-hmm. those next couple of weeks. So that's concern. Number one. Also, my second concern is I don't think like, Listen, Franklin's been there, what now? Uh, it's going to be, this is his sixth year, sixth or seventh, am I right? Uh, this, I think this is year seven. Yes. This is year seven. So I'm, I'm, I agree with you on the consistency and not going through a coaching carousel. Penn State, I mean, well, they had one of the longest tenure coaches of all time, so you can't really have a coaching carousel or do that like other teams, but. In college football, there's such an angst on winning, and now when there's only four spots, 
I don't have a problem with a five-year plan. And if you're not getting there, now I'm not saying he hasn't done there. He's done enough to mm-hmm. keep his job. But next year is going to be the telling year for him because mm-hmm. you just laid it out, that schedule there. But look at his best years. What What's the one thing or what's the one outlier for Penn State and James Franklin under his best years? I believe, I want to say like 20, oh boy, what was it, 2017 or? 2016, 2017? Yeah. What, um, what were the two years they were 11-2? He had a really good. He had a really good quarterback. He had a really had good a, quarterback. Yeah. He had Trace McSorley. He had a really good quarterback. Now, if you're telling me that he can't recruit, he can't bring in a quarterback, like Clifford's. Clifford was great last year, but I mean, come on. Clifford was a four star. Clifford was a four star. Clifford looked great last year. I don't know what happened this year. Well, he looked good. As, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he looked good, and and that and that's the thing. I, I think. I think it's the different offense. It's the different offensive coordinator. And listen, we've seen him at Minnesota do wonders. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, bring this over. Yeah. Everyone liked the move because everyone was sick of Ricky Ronnie. So then you make that move, and now you have all of this happen. So you now you can't have. So so now it, it's tough to kind of implement. And plus, I'm telling you, it's. It's hard, and I know it's big-time college football, but when you don't know what's going to happen and you're practicing for, you know, for a month, over, sorry, for over a month, and you don't even know if you're going to have a season, it's tough, you know? Yeah, but, but, you got a couple things not go their way, but I know what you're going to say. These other programs exactly. aren't having those – these other well, programs aren't having issues. I think Ohio State just has so many dudes where it doesn't matter. No, but it's not Ohio I think State, Indi- but the- No, no, hang on. No, no. I think Indiana – I think these other programs have something to prove, okay? You have Indiana was chomping at the bit. They feel like they have something to prove, that, they, that this was going to be Indiana's year and this was going to be the time. Okay, I think Maryland wanted to stick it to Penn State and and prove that hey we can play. You know, Shiano was a new coach at Rutgers. Again, they got something to prove, even though they're one and four. And again, the other team that mirrors Penn State, two of them, Michigan, who like Penn State cannot get over that hump. You said it yourself, Harbaugh's days are are numbered. And Minnesota. And I think those teams have had recent success. So they've, they, now it's not getting to the mountaintop, or sorry, it's not, you know, getting to the peak. I'm sorry, I'm trying to fit this the right way. They're close to the top of the mountain. They're trying to get to the peak. These other teams are just trying to get to where they are. It's, it's, it's not as a steep of a hill to climb, if you get what I'm saying. I have absolutely no idea what you're trying to say. There. Okay. But no, I can't. I can't okay. think, I, of I, like, no. right, think of it like no, no, no. I can't. You no, have no, Ohio I State. Get, Ohio State is the peak. I get what Ohio you're State. Saying, but that was just. Minnesota, oh God. Michigan. You know, Wisconsin, they just lost the freaking Northwestern. Um, you know, Penn State, they're, they're all chasing Ohio State. So now they're getting to the steep part of the mountain. You have a little adversity with everything that's going on, and you know your season's screwed. You might fall off. You have these other teams. You have the Maryland's, your Indiana's, your Purdue's. They're at the bottom of the mountain, and they're trying to get to where Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin. They're trying to get to where those teams are. So I'm saying they're the ones more chomping at the bit. And – but no, I think Franklin may have lost the locker room. I don't know how you get it back, but maybe it is, you know, it's, maybe it's a him thing. But that's what you just said makes me even more concerned about the future because what you just said is that this team and the players and the kids that they have and the coaches that they have, they're not built to overcome adversity. Because if you – like everyone – could be getting up and playing for their best ability and their best games when you've won 
five in a row or you're winning games, but when you're losing, mm-hmm. you're not getting over that hump, and you, that's that's a character. And you're not. That's a character to... issue. That's and you're that's not coaching. And that and that was my final yeah. point. It was like when you were going on about it, every team this off season is different. Who's that on then? Is it going to be on the players or is it going to be on the coaches? It's on the coaches and should be on them to find mm-hmm. ways and should be a testament of their coaching and how the season goes. And that's got to come back to Franklin and his staff this year. Not saying yeah. he should go, no. it yep. should be his end of the year. It's not going to happen. But he's got three real tough, well, Ball State's an average team, but he's got two of those three first three games next year. <laughs> that's that's that, that's that, tough. Could, that could but get I, real I, ugly. And I know, and I think when you have a team not used to it, you have a team not used to losing like this, okay? You start off against Indiana, you lose like that, and then you play Ohio State, which they did well in the second half. The second quarter and on against Ohio State, they played well. They got, they again, they put themselves in a terrible freaking hole. But after that, it's it's, it's been bad. Um, and, and again, it's, I think it's, it might be it might be a it might be a culture problem and that's what scares me if it is in fact a culture problem then we might be seeing the beginning of the end for Penn State in 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 the foreseeable future uh short term that could be like how Nebraska and god i hope not as bad as Florida State but real quick do they beat be Michigan bad. this weekend I have Penn State money line because I, I, I'm riding it until I die. <laughs> Maybe that's the issue. You need to stop betting. I do think they can beat Michigan. Your heart. Listen, they're, they're at Michigan, which scares me, but, Penn, but Michigan's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against an 0-5 Penn State team. So it can happen. I wouldn't be surprised if either, if either one won. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State wins out and goes 5-5. Five and five. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they end the season uh, zero and eight. <laughs> it could be. Um, and I'm saying, and I'm saying, or sorry, zero and zero and nine, I guess, uh, because then they won't with zero wins, they won't go to a bowl. <laughs> but with four and five, they can go to the bowl and they can, they can they save their they don't uh, just, at least get they don't zero bowl this year. <laughs> Come on, it'd be nice. Hey, motor, hey, motor, the the, the pinstripe bowl, maybe the pinstripe bowl. Honestly, at four and five. Four and five might be pinstripe ball, and the Yankees would take them. The, the pinstripe ball would take them just because of how crazy it was back in 2014 or 15. 2014 when it was there. Uh, but the thing is, they weren't coming out for sanctions, and everyone's pissed off more now than ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think you're going to have a lot of people there if, if it happens. Um, all right, we got to get off of Penn State. Um, we got to get off of it, but. I think I've, I've said my piece. I feel a lot better getting this. Is like therapy for me. Like I feel like, I feel like it's good to get that off my chest. Um, okay, last thing before I get into the list, um, I have a Thanksgiving parlay. And Cots, I want you to share yours as well. Now we don't know what's going to happen with this Raven Steelers game. Apparently, it's still going to happen. But for right now, the line was four and a half. Uh, Steelers are favored. So. Um, we're going to start off with that game. I'm taking Ravens four and a half right now. Uh, we'll see what happens. And if anyone's waiting, you might want to wait on that one because I feel like it's going to uh, rise a little bit. But I'm taking the Ravens there. Cox, what are you thinking? Um, for that game particularly or the other ones? Yes. Um, no, just that one for right now. I was going to be on the Ravens until I found out this COVID situation for them um so i'm a little concerned but this is a game they need a lot more than pittsburgh the line's mm-hmm. going all over the place right now it opened at four and a half i saw it get as well as to two on some sports books so it's going to be interesting to see where it nets out it could rise if you're going to be on the steelers you got to get it now because it's only going to go up um yes for them i want to say I'm going to still be on the Ravens and probably mm-hmm. on the money line because I think they need this game and they find a way to do it. Ooh, we get a money line. But regardless of where I net out with that, I'm going to take the over no matter what it is because both these teams can score. 
even though both teams okay. have really good defense. I feel like this is going to okay. be a Thursday night shootout. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, the the tr- the traditional games. Uh, Detroit takes on Houston. Who do you got, Cox? I'm all in on again. Going to hammer the over, and also okay. I'm going to be all in on Houston. Uh, I'm going to lay the points with Houston. Houston looked good against the Patriots. I think Detroit's. I think Houston's a good team. I think they just Bill O'Brien screwed them up this year. And um, I, I think, man, Deshaun Watson's so good. And this is actually a funny matchup because I feel like we're going to be five more years from now. We're going to be like, man. Deshaun Watson, what if he had a good team? How many Super Bowls he could have won? Could have won, mm-hmm. kind of like how we talk about what if Matthew Stafford ever had a good team? Yeah, I was just gonna staff. say, yeah, it's like this is like this is the game of the two quarterbacks, which we wish they were on better yeah. teams. But right now, I just think Houston's in a better spot. Uh, a lot of people are mm-hmm. calling for Patricia's head and get him out of there. Um, look so good. I'm gonna go with Houston. I have it right now minus two and a half, and I'm gonna take the over as well. I'm taking I'm taking Detroit two and a half. Uh, they got shut out last week. I think they bounced back. Um, I think that the I think the spread is too low right now after Houston's big win against New England. Again, New England has their own problems, but I'm taking Detroit two and a half. That leads us to Dallas versus the football team. Yeah, I was going to be all in on Dallas again now that Dalton's back. Um, they beat the Vikings. It's kind of a big win for them. But it's, it's, it's going to be Thanksgiving. It's going to be tough for me to root against them. I think right now, and this could change, but right now I'm really leaning towards Washington because I think Washington's my favorite to win the division because it would just be the best story if Alex Smith comes back and the Washington football team. And wins. Ron Rivera. And Ron Rivera, too. Yeah, coming, overcoming cancer, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll see where the money goes and where the line moves, but I, I think this could be a fun, also another fun uh, money line play for the skins there, plus 145. So I'm leaning that way. Uh, nothing locked in right now, but I'm leaning towards Alex Smith and the football team this week. This one was tough. I really wanted to take Washington, but I'm taking Dallas. So I'm taking Dallas here. Uh, two, uh, Dallas minus two and a half. Um, I, again, both teams coming off of big wins. I'm more impressed with the Dallas win than I was with the Washington's win. I think Dallas wins this one. I think Two weeks ago, if you asked me, this was going to be the worst game <laughs> on the uh, slate yeah. for, and I think this ends up being one of the better ones, if not the best game. I do think like the overheads, the overs at forty six right now too. I do think there's some points scored in this game because both defenses are shaky, especially Redskins. Even though they have a great, um, I wouldn't say great, but they have a really, really good. Uh, Defensive line, especially with Chase Young there and some of those guys, Ryan Kerrigan in that 3-4. So it could be interesting to see um, how they play. Even though they have a good pass rush, I think the Cowboys are still going to put up some points. Um, so I do like the over there too, but I don't know. I think this is – this is. I'll tell you this. Whoever wins this game is going to get some momentum going because they're going to be in first place ahead of time Sunday rolls around them. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I think, I'm hoping for Washington, but I, I could easily – this is one that I might get caught up in betting with who I want to root for during the game and not with where my brain is telling me to. So, we'll see. Yep. All right. So, my parlays. So, my Thanksgiving parlay, we're going to take uh, Detroit plus two and a half. We're going to take Cowboys minus two and a half. And then the Ravens. Now, wait on that Ravens one because you're going to get more points. With that, but as of right now, Ravens uh, plus four and a half. Okay, Cox agrees with Ravens. Got to wait on it, but he's also taking Washington football team plus two and a half, and he's gonna be gonna be taking Houston Texans minus two and a half. And those are our Thanksgiving parlay. So now we'll get on to a very special Thanksgiving version. 
This week's list is brought to you by the Thrive Fantasy app. You see, the Thrive Fantasy app is daily fantasy that only deals with the top-tier athletes. So it appeals to the casual sports fans as well as the diehards. When you download the Thrive Fantasy app, make sure you put in promo code JUKE. That's right, JUKE, J-U-K-E. And if you deposit $20, Thrive Fantasy will match that and add $20 to your account. Thanksgiving's coming up, and I know you're going to be betting on football. What better way than to download the Thrive Fantasy app and lay some bets down on Thrive with free money? You have $20 of free money. Come on. You know how to make your Thanksgiving football viewing experience that much better. Download the Thrive Fantasy app and make it happen. All right. This week's list. And it's only me. Uh, No cots for the list this week. But we have a very special Thanksgiving list. Best Thanksgiving dishes. So without further ado, I'm going to start this off. Number five, this is not my favorite, but it deserves to be on the list. It's a dessert, pumpkin pie. And you got to make sure the whipped cream's on the pumpkin pie. Some people like apple pie, that's fine. Some people are more of a chocolate pie person. I am more of a chocolate pie person. But for Thanksgiving, it's got to be pumpkin pie is the dessert. All right, number four, one of my personal favorites, ham. You got to have ham on Thanksgiving. You have to. What makes ham even better is the leftovers the next few days. I swear, I think I eat like seven or eight ham sandwiches the following days after Thanksgiving. Always good. It's a staple. Three, stuffing. Thanksgiving is not complete without it. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it's made of. I don't care. Stuffing has to be at the Thanksgiving table. That's my number three. Now, my number two was very close to being my number one. But I went the cliche and traditional route like I usually do. So number two Homemade mac and cheese. I think it is a delicacy. I don't care what anyone tells me. I don't care if they said, oh, mac and cheese, are you a child? Like, why do you have mac and cheese for Thanksgiving? I don't care if I'm a child. It's homemade mac and cheese. Screw you. It deserves to be on the list if you don't think mac and cheese doesn't deserve to be in this top five. And lastly, I mean, come on. It's turkey. I know we have turkey for pretty much any holiday, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Um, But come on, we call it Turkey Day. It has to be turkey. Turkey has to be your main dish. And that's why I put turkey over mac and cheese. So our final list, or my final list, is number three, the stuffing. Number two, Homemade mac and cheese, and number one, it's got to be turkey. Okay? Now, did you agree with our list? Probably not. So, when we send this out tomorrow, we send out our usual poll. All right, make sure you tell us in the thread below what you think is the number one dish for Thanksgiving. All right, I am supposed to read... Cotts's, um, his closing statement. Um, but he said it in like phrases. So I'm going to just kind of decipher this here. Um, so Cotts wants everyone to know in his closing statement that um, Dabo Sweeney is a dork and that Cotts hates dorks because Matthew McConaughey has said, and I quote, you can't trust the dork. Uh, dot dot dot. But seriously, uh, Dabo, that guy sucks. So that is Kotz's closing statement. I'm sure it has to do with Dabo Sweeney. 
um, making the comments about Florida State not wanting to play them. I mean, listen, I see what he's saying, and he did say the players and the coaches at Florida State wanted to play, but the Florida State administration stepped in because Dabo feels like you know Florida State was going to get an ass kick in, and they um, basically said, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, you may have had a COVID person because um, – I guess a travel with the team, which is not good, by the way. Uh, again, I think more has to come out from this story. But Dabo went right after the Florida State administration. Not a great look. Not a great look. Like a little part of me kind of sees what uh, a little part of me sees what he's saying, but that's a terrible look for Dabo Sweeney. Terrible look. Uh, mine closing statement. Um, has to do with something that's uh, really dear to my heart, um, and that is uh, WWE, which I don't watch WWE now. I haven't watched WWE really in years, but, um, you know, it's something if it comes across my timeline on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, and it's something, if it's a wrestler from back in the day or from the 90s, early 2000s, I'm probably going to click on it. Because, again, it's a part of my childhood. And listen, 90% of you people listening right now watch wrestling um, as a kid during the Monday Night Wars with WWE and WCW and, you know, Monday Night Raw versus Nitro and the whole thing. Um, so if you are a wrestling fan, you probably know where this is going to be going. Um, but Vince McMahon will have to find another big hitting attraction for WrestleMania uh, because after 30 years, The Undertaker, real name Mark Calloway, is retiring from the character. WWE had this big celebration during uh, their one of their bigger main events called Survivor Series, uh, which is where The Undertaker made his debut. Um, now, I know what some of you listening are probably saying, oh, my, Jay, come on, wrestling isn't real. But let, let's face it, like I said, most of the people listening to this right now watched 90s wrestling. Or at least in the early 2000s. You guys watched it probably religiously like I did. Um, as I did, you know, me and my younger siblings used to watch it all the time. And, and guess what? When you were younger and if you didn't know what happened on Monday Night Raw on Tuesday, you have nothing to say. You have nothing to say. I remember I would be in third grade. And we talk about what happened on Monday Night Raw all the time during recess or on the bus. You know, and one thing was always consistent throughout the years of wrestling from my father, from myself, and even from my youngest brother, where we have about a 10 year difference, is that The Undertaker was there. <laughs> it was the one common theme of the watch wrestling is that The Undertaker was there, whether it had been him. As this look mortician looking guy, whereas he is this um, undead uh, person, or if he's a badass biker, um, you know, we had all of these different forms of the Undertaker. Um, you know, he had so many uh, different moments they could go back to you know from throwing Mick Foley off off the hell in the cell his feud with his TV brother Kane which is one of the best storylines in all of wrestling uh, to trying to bury people alive and even sacrificing Vince McMahon's daughter you know happy great happy stuff it, it brought us some great memories he was a part of our childhood uh, for those that don't understand and don't understand wrestling, I'm going to tell you to tell you to you like this: Think of a TV show that you've loved, and that there is a person there from the beginning, and and has just always been in the show, and he doesn't even have he or she doesn't even have to be the main character, but it's just someone that is constantly always there, and that person is written off or dies in the show, like. Where you have that emotional connection with that character. Okay, now try that, but for 30 years worth. 30 years of being this one character and morphing and 
you know, being all these different versions of this character. You have 30 years of that, and now it's finally getting put to rest. That's pretty awesome. Um, The Undertaker may have not have won, you know, a lot of belts. I think he was heavyweight champion, I want to say like four or five times, but it didn't matter. He was always there. He was always a staple in the WWF and WWE. Um, Happy retirement. I kind of hope he stays retired. I don't want this to be like, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't want this to be like Kiss, the band Kiss, where, you know, they have like three farewell tours. Like, I I hope this is actually the end and he actually retires in a great send-off, and I think he will. Um, But anyway... That's our show. Guys, we are so happy to be back. We are so happy that um, our technical difficulties are over for right now. And until next time, adios.